Welcome to season four of the Jada Edwards podcast. As always, God is giving us his word to share personal stories and great conversations you are going to want to hear. Okay, this is a really good question. How should I date within my community slash church if I've previously dated someone in the same community? Do I, <laughs> Do I now have to date outside of my church? Oh, okay, well, the first issue, the first, the answer is no. Uh, but, but what helps that no to be true is that if you date right, right. then you can date multiple people. Right. But date ain't horizontal. Right. So, like, you got to be vertical, sit somewhere. <laughs> Once you, then it's hard because, because what's happening is the boundaries that we set in our dating relationships are so poor or non-existent, Mm -hmm. that it becomes a struggle if that's not who the Lord has for you to go to the next person because now you've given it away. It was a free giveaway to the first person that showed up after a while. And so it's not a raffle. You know what I'm saying? It's not like whoever shows up. This thing is precious. And and I talk about it like, I think about it like in terms of a building like or your home, right? You got the driveway and the porch and the foyer and then the den and the living room. And don't, only one person need to be in the bedroom. Right. Like, I don't even let it right in the kitchen. I don't even know, want you to know where I'm making stuff. Don't sit right out here. I got a chair right by my front door. Uh, and, and that's only for certain people. You might stay on the porch. I don't know you. You coming by selling lawn services or pest control. Why am I inviting you in my house? I don't even know you. I don't even know you. And then if I, get, if I know you a little bit, you're going to be right on the other side of this door. Right. You're not. So we decide. Well, the problem is we meet somebody that looks almost godly or it's been a long time or we met them in church. So suddenly that means they're spiritual, like right. the devil don't go to church. And so <laughs> then we meet them and we like, come look at my bedroom. And you're just like, what in the world? Right. The bedroom cannot hold multiple people. It's not for that. Right. That's why it becomes difficult to have other relationships you should be able to date the goal is to say there was someone interested in me by the way he needs to show interest he needs to pursue help mate helpers are wives not girlfriends right not dates i'm not helping no man that has not committed to covering me in jesus name right you i'm not marrying your potential i'm not i'm not seeing where i fit to help you you don't need my help until I know that you are covering me in the name of Jesus. So I'm not helping you pursue me. I'm not setting up traps. I'm not talking to having a friend, talk to your friend and see if we can. No, because if he want a job, he know how to get that without help. He want a car. He wants some new ones. He know how to get those without help. Nobody had to send him the link. He know how to get the ones he wants. I'm like, dudes are not dumb. They know how to get what they want. But if we keep laying it out, they're going to do less work. And so, and that's not a knock on guys. That's the curse of men and women. That God basically said in Genesis 3, women, you're going to do too much. Men, you're not going to do enough. That's what's going to be the curse. That's what's going to be the curse. And so dating relationships should be guy shows interest. You kind of decide, am I interested? Okay, let's figure it out. Bring in some community. Bring in one somebody who's like, I see that. Yeah, I vouch for him. Or no, I don't vouch for him. Because then that's that's the porch. He off the porch. He ain't make it through the front door. Somebody you trust is like, "Eh, he cool, but he not ready. Boom. Go go somewhere else, bro. You can't you can't be on my porch. If somebody says this dude is decent, cool. Have have a date, go out with a group, whatever. Two or three group outings, hanging out, seeing whatever, and then you feel like, mm, this is not a good idea. You should be able to say, This is not a good idea. 
And if you, if you find somebody else a month later, that ain't trashy. All we did was hang out in a group three times. Right. You see what I'm saying? It's when they come in too quickly yes. and it don't work. And now you're, you're hurt and you're wounded. Right. And it seems like it becomes this uh, character issue to contemplate dating someone else. I should be able to have multiple dating relationships if they're done right, not long-term six-month relationships with a bunch of people, because you know after a few dates, after a few encounters, if that dude is good enough or not. I'm not talking about perfect. I'm talking about character. Nobody in the history of ever has broken up with somebody about something that they just learned. Whatever y'all broke up over, you knew that when you met them. You thought you could change it. You thought it wasn't going to be that bad. You thought you were going to be different. If you would heed the wisdom when it's revealed, then you could have multiple days. Because half the dudes, you would only have one small group meeting and be like, next. Right. And then you'd be moving on. And then eventually, you're like, I don't even have to be in a group with you. I can tell from right here. No. I know how it's going to go. And I'm sure you're a great dude. You're not for me. And you just know it. That's what happened with me and my husband is because, and I'm not saying it, by the way, marriage is not an upgrade. It's just different. It's a change. God may do it. God may not. God is, life is still good. But for us, because we had been in relationships, long relationships, and we knew by the time we met each other, we were both like, now listen, if this is what the Lord is saying, we about to know it. It don't take a year. It don't take six months. It don't take five passive text messages and you looking at me sideways and are you coming and hey, what's up? And I'm going to just like your story but not say nothing to you and all this foolishness. <laughs> foolishness. Miss me with the passivity. Because if you leading today, you're going to leave forever, women. Don't do it. Don't be mad year five that you're still leading. Well, you leading from the beginning. So we decided this is it. We already know. We're grown. We, we can figure this out, which is why. We, we went on our little date, our one little date, and on the first date, he was like, now listen, <laughs> uh, you either going to be my wife <laughs> or my friend or nothing. I said, okay, all right. So we spent the next two weeks figuring out. He called me two weeks later. He's like, I think you're supposed to be my wife. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. That is so crazy. Let's do it. You know, and so we were married within 10 months. And it's not because I needed 10 months to know him. I knew myself, and I knew what good character looked like. And so that good character cannot be hidden. And so if you have people who are looking and helping you look and discern, then you know quickly if a dude is trifling. You know quick. You know if you're not ready. You know if you're not ready. And so when you make those decisions early, then they're not as they're not as traumatizing and not as like altering of your life if you want to date somebody else. And so some of some of it is we have made poor dating decisions and we need to spend time healing from that. And then if we're going to date again to do it in a healthy way. So if that person doesn't work out, if that's not the thing, you can you can still be in your church. You can still show your face. You're not still wondering what people are saying. Like there's a way to do it with honor and integrity. And I just think our craving for companionship, our idolization of marriage, our, our, our hatred for being alone, all this stuff is driving bad decisions. And so because of that, we're, we're finding ourselves in a trap where we can't even be a part of our own community because we don't know what so-and-so thinks about whatever. And so I'm just saying, if you would slow down and pay attention to the wisdom at the moment it's revealed and not think more highly of yourself that you can change it or it's not going to happen to you or you're going to be different. You're going to be the exception. You're not. A person is a person. (laughs) 
And so if we may pay attention to that early, I think we can get out of things that would bring um, shame <laughs> later on when we're trying to explore other relationships. You're, you're supposed to be able to explore multiple relationships and not be any shame, for real. It should be that way. Like, that's part of being single. Like, a guy, five guys should be able to say, yes, I know Dana's. And they may know her a little more than just a regular friend because, yeah, for a while I was interested in she and another couple of couples. We hung out, da, da, da. Five guys could say that about her, and that's not a detriment to her character. She went to five dinners with her couple and her friends. Okay, cool. And then by the time he gets married or whoever he marries or whoever she marries, nobody's like, oh, I can't believe you also dated someone. It didn't matter. It didn't, we did it healthy, we knew when it didn't work, and then we, we took another direction. And so all that stuff doesn't have to come into play when we try to do it healthy on the outset. Um, but y'all, this secret stuff, it's gonna come out. Right. It comes out every time. And half time, you don't know it came out, everybody else know. Right. Number one. And they looking at you like, Look, we know. We know, and we're not gonna tell you. And yeah. if you have a covering, they know when you don't want them to know. Right. Like, my disciples, I'm not the person that'll be nosy, but it'll just sit on my lap. Uh -huh. I'm like, oh, uh -huh. look, Jesus. Uh -huh. Jaden done it to me several times. Several. So get you a covering <laughs> as a backup. Yeah. So I think you should be able to have, explore multiple relationships within a community. But we have to date in a way that doesn't create shame, doesn't jeopardize our integrity or the integrity of the man that we're, that we're trying to figure out and get to know. And don't do it alone, y'all. It's dangerous. They make people dumb, I'm telling you. I'm serious, smart people. And I'm like, I know you smart. Why, now why are you doing this? So we all have done it. It's ignoring them flags. I'll say it from a single perspective. And I've been going to the church for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I haven't been dating that much in there. But something to consider is I didn't know what my purpose was when I was 25. Mm. And I was a church. And I'm not super promiscuous like naturally, right? That's just not my vibe. But I noticed now that I'm teaching in student church, sometimes girls come in and I, we didn't talk to the same dude in college, right? And they've always me mugged me, but now you're bringing your kids in and I'm pouring into them, mm -hmm. right? All of my disciples, the first group is like three or four years older than me. So the second group, maybe we have some single people younger than me. We all in the same pool, right? Mm -hmm. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, can I love this woman fully in the event that it goes left. Because truth be told, I, you know, the way my celibacy is set up and my thirst, I haven't been doing good mm -hmm. with the dating and not letting them come all the way in. Um, it's not super quick, but at the same time, that's a struggle, I get it. But what changed my heart is like, man, I cannot look at you and have odd about some, some dude mm -hmm. when I need to pour into you. Mm -hmm. So some of you guys don't know your purpose, but what if you're a teacher on accident mm -hmm. and someone can't listen to you and they might go to hell because you playing games with a dude that didn't like either of y'all. So that, look, That's you know I'm dating because the way I'm answering, yeah, but just consider the kingdom impact yeah. and how you would handle that. That's what I would say. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. exactly what Jada is saying, slow down. Like if you're leading and walking into a space like, I'm going to young adult Bible study to see what single young adult men are there. You're going in with the wrong mindset. And so you already have that filter on you to where you can't even see who this person is because all you're doing is being excited mm -hmm. about the situation that mm -hmm. could come from it. Mm -hmm. And then you stumble into relationships, no boundaries. All of these things will continue to creep up. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't, I'm always a big advocate of community because I am like, 
goal focused and I'm blinded to what's around me. And so the community are the ones who can say, hey, the last three relationships you had, you, you're doing the exact same thing. Let's yes, identify all really of these value. trends that you keep going after. So it's the same type of guy, the same city. They said the same exact thing. Same height. Same height. Uh, same, same chocolate. Same outfit. Same <laughs> spectrum. Everything. Same lives. Yes. <laughs> yes. Same yes. outfit. You're like, this dude <laughs> is copy and paste. Right. And the, how did the last one go? Exactly. How did the last one go? Exactly. And I think you can have a, you can have a scarcity mentality that, that makes you, you're just looking at the numbers, the head right. count. Right. You're like, there's not a lot of guys who love God. That's in here. So because there's a scarcity mentality, overvalues what's there just because it's limited. Yeah. Okay, so if everybody in the room is hungry and it's the end of the world and the stores are closed, that bag of Doritos takes on a different value. Everybody's hungry and there's no food left in the world. It's not $1.99 anymore. That's how people start killing each other for stuff and stuff goes crazy because you're like, that's the last bag. A scarcity mentality will make you overvalue something just because it's limited. If I don't find fullness and satisfaction in God, all the devil has to do is just make that thing I want limited. And then all of a sudden I start putting more value on it than what I should. Because if that dude is valuable, when there's a thousand of him in the room, he's still valuable. If that's the dude that you couldn't pluck out into a sea of a thousand other Christian dudes and still choose, you have a scarcity mentality. You have to say, I know that I have a fullness in God, so let me still evaluate this person for who they are. It's not worth more because there's not many of him. Yes. And that will make us make crazy decisions when, we're, when we are functioning out of scarcity rather than abundance. Yes. God says, I called you to abundant life. You walking around here hungry for no reason. I've given you fullness. Yes. And when you come in there not functioning out of abundance, then you will overvalue things just because they're limited. Yes. And so... You got to see that thing for what it is, y'all, because, listen, everybody, everybody look great when they the only one, is what I'm saying. Right. That, that's, the, that's the truth. We knew it. You know, you went out in college, you had your friends, and you're like, oh, not her, because she, uh, she real cute. Mm-mm. I'm going to go out with these two, <laughs> these two friends. Everybody knew. You played, you, played your, you played the odds game, because there wasn't too many of y'all. You're like, yeah, we, we don't stand out. I'm going to go out with this one other person, and I'm going to It's a whole thing, because you know the more that there is, then it changes people's it changes people's view. It, right. it doesn't yes. dating is the same way, and so sometimes we're just seeing the sheer numbers. We're looking at how many people are here versus what doors God might be opening, and then we start forcing open doors just because it looks like time is running out, and so or it looks like something's limited. And um, by the way, it's not it's not helpful for our brothers either because it they struggle with pride when they're like, I know I'm a rare jewel. I mean, they do, and they, and I've talked to guys, they're trying to stay humble, but it's hard to be humble when 18 amazing women are approaching them, right. some kind of sideways, sly way, I want to serve with you in ministry. <laughs> That's the new Christian way of sliding in the DMs. Right. Get my number so we can be on the same ministry team. Right. Girl, I will see you on Monday. So, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's dude, it's a, hard, it's a struggle for guys who are trying to walk right, and they're like, Woo, okay, this is the 18th chick that's come up to me. I'm trying to keep saying no, but yes. a brother is weak. I know you are. Right. So help him out, y'all. Help and if out. we stand together, y'all are all from Dallas. This is the scene, Jada. Because in college, I was wearing different clothes I wasn't supposed to be wearing, but I was pulling in 2005. <laughs> that was your year? Respectfully. That was your year? You know. In, in the flesh, ready. Right? 
but now in 2023, I look similar, right? But to your point, the guys are hip to it. Yeah. My homeboys, all very good looking. They don't have to say anything. So the you know the supply yeah. and demand the supply is. And demand is exposed. So if yeah. we would just stand firm and resist the devil, maybe we could get a man. Mm -hmm. Even if he fine. Well, I don't know though. Yeah. Okay, what we got next, y'all? All right, so we're down to our last question. Ooh, last question. Okay. We're going to shift it up a little bit. The what? I'm going to shift it up a little bit. Oh, okay. Come on, shift, shift it. Look. We'll see. Let's see. <laughs> How do you find yourself again after being physically, mentally, and sexually abused? Oh, my gosh. That is so heavy. Um, but that's a, that's a great question. Um, man, I think that requires a lot of internal work. It really does. Starting with, obviously, I'm going to say the Lord, because he's the, he's the one that mends up the brokenhearted. He restores. Um, he's the shepherd that refreshes us, leads us in quiet places, like refreshes us, restores us. And then sometimes you need counseling. You need a good therapist or a good counselor or a good lay. Lay counselor means just a person who's not necessarily credentialed but has, has that gift. And, we, you know, you have met church. A lot of times... Uh, when our life stories are that heavy, um, that painful, that traumatic, it becomes really difficult for us to have perspective about our own story. And so you, it's really helpful to have a person that can just, that has no skin in the game, that can just sit and watch and listen and then give you feedback and say, let's talk about how you're compensating for these wounds. Let's talk about how these hurts slowly begin to change your identity. Like you need a person who loves God, loves God's word, and can look back and help you objectively evaluate your story. That's why uh, Nathan went to David after the issue, after he had had adultery with, committed adultery with Bathsheba, had her husband killed, and then Nathan comes to him and he tells him a parable. He said, hey, there's a story, think about this. What if a rich man had this and then the poor man had nothing and the rich man still took from the poor man? He didn't come to David and was like, you didn't get your life. You're a whole adulterer and a killer and you still king, son, get it together. He, he told him a story because David, especially when you, you can be so entrenched in your own sin or your own hurt, hurt you've caused or hurt you've received, whatever that story might be, you don't see your own story clearly. And so you need a Nathan, whether it's a professional counselor or someone in the community who comes back and says, let me just, let me take you out of this story. Think about this. And then David will say, oh, I need to repent before the Lord, right? So maybe you're not the one that needs to repent, but you need to, you got to find some forgiveness and some healing and some things that a person who's not in your story can help you see. Because I do think there are really deep, painful experiences that if we're not careful can alter our identity. We start to define ourselves according to that victimization. And it takes the Holy Spirit of God and the God's people to really help us to see a different perspective on that. And so I, I think that is not just self-talk. I think those are there are deeper wounds that really require, require intentional healing. And I don't think we need to make light of real counseling, not just your girlfriends and community. Right. We don't need to make light of that. Because if you said to me, I got a heart issue, my heart is always racing, or you know, I've had five mini heart attacks, I'm not gonna be like, well, make sure you talk to your community. I'm gonna tell you what. Go to the doctor. There's someone who is trained in this. And so I don't think we need to minimize that. Everything's not going to happen with your girlfriends and, and finding somebody who can speak to that the right day on social media. Some, you got to go find somebody who, like, this is their mission. This is their life's work to help people unpack their stories. And 
then you will see the beauty. And God, here's the beauty, beautiful part of it. God is already standing at the end of this journey. He already knows that once you walk through this, he still has identity. He knows your identity. He knows what he's called you to. He, he's just like, I'm going to patiently let you walk through this. But we got to do the work because it's not going to happen overnight. There's no amount of church attendance. There's no amount of scripture reading and prayer and all the things that's going to all of a sudden undo trauma in your life. Yeah. You got to do the work to unpack that. You know, even when Paul was called in, 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 in Acts, he tells us in Galatians 1, after I received the call, I did not immediately consult with men. For three years, I went away because Paul had some stuff. Not only God clarifying his calling, he, he has some junk to unpack. There's confession and repentance and healing. There's all these things where he had to remove himself for a while. It didn't affect what he did for God, but it's important for us to understand that we have to sometimes remove ourselves or really commit to an inner work so that God can do what he wants to do in us. And so I think that if you're, if you're in that place, I would strongly encourage you to decide what that next step is going to look like to do that deeper work. It, do I need a counselor? Do I need whatever? Because, y'all, I'm telling you, that stuff is real. And it will grip you, and then you'll start to realize that everything you see and do in life is through that filter of pain. And it takes another person to help really unpack that. I love my therapist. She checked me all the time. Me too. <laughs> she checked me yesterday. I was like, I can't believe I pay you for this. But she's great. She's great. She has me get my life. But, yeah, that's, that's real stuff. Y'all have anything uh, to add on? Thank that? God I, nothing like that has happened to me. But I think it's similar to, like, unforgiveness. It, that's something that can change your filter on life, mm -hmm. too. And in those times, therapy. I like therapy because the first day, she's like, tell me about you. Mm -hmm. It's not what, what my mama thinks about yeah. me, my cousin, one community. You're in charge of telling your story. So right there, they can already eat right. you up. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. that, look, and, the good and, ones and it's only on you. To have a Christian counselor is definitely it, too. Yeah. But anything that has rocked my world to a level where I'm like, whoa, I think things to consider are number one. The devil is probably doing it to make you think that God isn't good. Mm. It's, it's something I have to wrestle with, with the sovereignty of God, mm -hmm. how he loves me, and how I'm supposed to be obedient and suffer for good. Mm -hmm. So no one wants to hear that when it's happening right. Mm -hmm. But when things shake me. Again, I just try to go to the foundation. What is true about God? What am I supposed to get out of it? Because just like Dahlia said, it's going to help somebody. Mm. And I've never gone any, through anything horrible that didn't make me a better person mm -hmm. all the way around. Mm -hmm. So I would just consider how God is using it. And even if you're mad, just tell him you're mad. Yeah. The Bible says he already knows. He was mm -hmm. calling the Pharisees out on thoughts. Mm -hmm. So you not telling God you're mad is just silly. Because yeah. he's like, I know you're mad, sis. Mm -hmm. Just tell me. Right. <laughs> Look, bro, you That's have to right. release it. Yeah, yeah for sure. No, that's, yeah. true. that's true. And I would say refute the thoughts that you have in your head with what God calls you to be. Mm -hmm. And so instead of calling yourself abused or raped or whatever your story is, oh, God called you his. He called you daughter. He called you healed. Mm -hmm. So knowing who God called you to be will help a lot of that in addition to therapy, in mm -hmm. addition to everything that they've already said, but doing the self-help as well to say, okay, let me bring it to the baseline. Let me open the word and see who did God define Dahlia, Jada, Danis to be. And that's what I can walk in. It's not easy. It's, it sounds like I'm just saying like, oh yeah, let me go to the back of my mm, closet and process. say these things. Yeah. But all of these things coupled together, it's different things that you might need in different moments, but all of that together will help to just alleviate those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's work. 
Y'all got some more? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank y'all so much. Good to go. <laughs> oh, that was it? Okay, That's hold on. Hold on, then I want to say something else. Okay. I didn't know, because I had some other questions, but I, I just want to, I would like for you guys, if you're, for your takeaway, I, I want to share with you my life scripture, which is 2 Timothy 4, um, 1 through 5. And Paul is telling Timothy this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Some of your versions may say instruction. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And as for you, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, all of you may not feel like you're called to teach the Bible or, you know, lead a group or whatever. But this idea of preaching the word is is implied that there's an understanding and then there's exhortation. That everything we do, y'all, has to be grounded in truth. We are in a season right now where there's a lot of spiritual activity that is not godly. It's not godly because every generation finds something to cling to. It's not new. When I grew up, it was Benny Hinn packing out stadiums of hundreds of thousands of people, slaying folks and healing folks and casting out stuff. It's not new. It's going to come back up again. That's why God told Joshua. God told the people through Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, he said, don't be deceived by your prophets and your diviners. They're speaking and they say it's on behalf of me and it's not me. So yes, demonic activity is real. Darkness is real. Spiritual warfare is real. But because when it becomes popular, then that's all everybody talks about. Because that's going to be your trend. That's going to get you likes. That's what everybody wants to hear about. Everything is not demonic. Everything don't, believers can be can be, do, are not, is not a biblical fact that believers are possessed by demons. Yes. Affected? Absolutely. Possessed? The scripture says the spirit of Christ cannot dwell with darkness. So if you're a believer and you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you might need to cast away or cast off some influence, but cast out? Y'all, I'm telling you, know the word because what happens is somebody, ta- I was watching somebody the other day because somebody sent me this link on Instagram and I was like, Lord, people can take one word out of the Bible and make a whole message yeah. about it and nothing in the, nothing is biblical. Somebody like, yeah, such, 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 such change. Well, I know that there's going to be a change about this, this. Based on what? You took a word out of a verse and then you spoke your own words. And so if you're not testing the spirits, even things that feel like they're spiritual will be leading you away from God because you have to ask the question, how is God glorified? How are believers informed? All of the miracles, even in Scripture, John says in John 20, these, these happen so you might believe, yeah. not so you might be impressed. Yes. God does miracles in the life of believers all the time, but all these mass movements of stuff, folks gathering up, who, is this a crusade? Is this a gathering of unbelievers? Because when you go to, to places where this thing is really happening, America is not typically that pace. We manufacture that stuff. Be in Africa. Be in some of these countries where there's so much pagan, demonic activity that that is how God moves because yeah. he's countering something that they have grown up with. So here it's a show. Over there, that's how people are getting converted. And so he's bringing healing. He's, there's so much stuff happening, things I've seen with my own eyes. But it is to result in the increase of heaven's population, 
not for people to be impressed, not for people to be applauded. And so the things that you might be clinging to, make sure that you have scripture based, Bible based truth based that uh, that is supporting what you believe or what you're perpetuating. Because y'all, I'm telling you, if the enemy can get you distracted with whatever. It it, it changes every generation. I, I'm getting to the age now where I just see the ebb and flow. First it was everything had to be tongues and the fivefold gifts kind of just really took over. And then there was a whole bunch of tension between Pentecostal charismatic groups and conservative groups. And now you're starting to see some of that, the, the fivefold gifts are still showing up now in conservative groups. So that's not as much of a tension because everybody's kind of like, oh, okay, we're cool with that. And now it's a whole other thing. Like there's going to always be, y'all in the seventies, there was, there were artists. They were like, this person's demonic. Listen to the album backwards. It was a whole situation. We did because we had records, record players. Y'all, it's not new. It's not new. So some, somebody's going to always be like, what is the, what's the spiritual popularity? that I can get right now. And if people are drawing you to themselves and not the word, you need to be discerning. Right. You need to be discerning. And, and here's the thing. The word tells us more than once, resist the devil. Resist. You're not going to be, there's nothing in scripture that tells you rebuke the devil. Ever. Ever. He says, get armored up in Ephesians 6 and then stand. That's what he says. We out there trying to be on the offensive. Like we live in godly enough for the enemy to expose us. And you're going to get out there doing stuff. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with it. I've seen demons cast out. I've seen people have to be, uh, stand firm in dealing with dark spirits. I'm saying, this is what it is right now in 2023. And 2024, 2025 is going to be something else. Be careful about spiritual trends. Because the truth does not trend. Yeah. The truth is unchanging. And if you're, if you're reading something or finding something that's growing into popularity, ask yourself, where is this grounded in scripture? Do y'all, Jesus was not popular. You, you understand that. He, all his popularity came after he died. In his own hometown, he had no honor. He didn't have a lot of followers. He did not. And he was canceled because Christian truth is offensive and is not trending and is not popular because everybody that was religious was against him. And so we have to be careful when things seem to take on huge movements and everybody's got a voice, but nobody's driving you to the truth. Yeah. And here's the other thing I need y'all to be careful about. This is just Auntie Jada talking because now I got a lot on my mind. <laughs> this is the last thing I'm going to say. With, when, it, when it comes to areas of highly visible, highly charismatic gifts, you need to ask some questions. Number one. In 1 Corinthians 13, the reason why Paul goes into that extensive explanation of love, his goal wasn't even to define. He wasn't even talking about love. He was talking about gifts. He said, y'all worry about prophecy. Y'all worried about speaking in tongues. Y'all worried about all these visible gifts. But he says, if I, if, I, if I have all these gifts and have love, I have nothing. He goes into the love explanation because the church was idolizing the gifts. He said, this is not new. Y'all think it's better to be loud. He's like, if I'm a clanging symbol and have love, don't have love, then what is it? So be careful because that's going to always be human tendency to idolize or to elevate certain gifts. Is there love? You can rebuke and you can exhort. What, is, what does Paul say to Timothy? With patience and instruction. So if everybody is rebuking and it's condemnation and you and you and you and you going ahead, is that patience and instruction? Even Jesus rebuked with patience and instruction. So if we're, if we're all of a sudden have this spiritual insight elevating these gifts and there's no love, Jesus says, you're not mine because they know you're mine by your love. You can say hard things and still be in love. We're not trying to shame folks, make folks feel bad, make, make folks think I'm more spiritual than you because I saw this and you didn't see it. 
I'm trying to drive people to truth and I'm trying to do it with love. And the second thing is, don't be deceived because every time in the history of like all the foolishness that has happened, and it happens when people are like associated with the church, but not in, in the line of Christ. Like it's like truth adjacent. It's like this is the truth and they right here. It's not going to be all the way over there. It's going to be just enough where you have to do some work to figure out what's true. Don't overlook that there is often a connection with money. Because people who speak into your life, if they're doing it for the Lord, they do it for free. If they're speaking into your life and then there's opportunity, you got to buy my merch, sow my seed, part of my, you need to be careful. Because anything that is attached to profit and the gospel is not of the Lord. You need to be very careful. There's going to always be a subtle shift to now I want you to partner with me. Now I want you to do these things. So I want y'all to be discerning because um, there is these kind of things typically happen among certain generations. Because when we get old, we just be like, that's foolishness. When I was in my 20s, that's when my eyes were like, ooh, that's a, ooh, that, is, that, is that real? Like that's when you have to be the most discerning because you have passion for the Lord. And so the passion the enemy will use to, to uh to um, skew your judgment. That's what passion does, right? We're super excited about something. We don't judge it the same. And so you have a passion for the Lord, and it's a good passion. But don't let that skew your judgment. As soon as you start to undergird that passion with truth, you'll be able to discern and call stuff out and say, mm-mm, that don't make sense. That don't look right. And if you're not sure, Lord, will you show me? Make this real for me. Show me. He's faithful to do it, y'all. But I just want us to be very careful because when there's, when there's revival happening, there's revival happening in our country right now. When there's spiritual revival for the Lord, you better believe there's going to be demonic revival. They, the, the Lord start building up stuff and the Lord's people respond. The enemy's going to be like, oh, well, we got, to get, we got to get a little busier. So you need to be looking for that and be discerning and be wise and ask yourself, is this in love? Does this drive people to truth? Does this lead someone to salvation? Does this glorify God? Does this lead people into a deeper walk with him? And so I just want us to be mindful because I think this is where the Lord is moving. This group, this generation, this demographic is what's growing in our church. It was growing in our nation. And so that means you have to be the most equipped. You have to be equipped because you're going to have so many things that come at you that look almost like they're right. They're just off enough that if you don't do the work, you can be kind of led down a path. And so that's the last thing I'll say, just to be in your word diligently so your discernment can continue to stay sharp. That's it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure leave a comment, leave a review, share, subscribe, all the things, and we'll catch you next time.